Guys, we are in week two of our series. We're doing an I am series. Remember last week we talked about how there are eight I am statements. They're all in the Gospel of John. And it goes back to when God revealed who he was, his nature, his character to Moses. And Moses goes, God, um, these people that you're sending me to, they're going to know who's sending me. And he says, I am that I am. And so anytime that we see the, the Jesus using I am, he is screaming to them in, in, in no uncertain terms that he's, I am God. I, I am divine. Not only divine, I am the Lord God Almighty. Exact image of the Father, one with the Father. And so today, the passage we're, we're going to focus on is in John 8. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Now, first, uh, anybody who's been here more than like 10 years, you've heard these same stories over and over, I apologize. But when I, when I thought about... Um, the light of the world, it made me also think of what? If you think of the light of the world, you're going to also probably think of the, the darkness of the world. And it reminded me when I was a kid, I would go to my granddad's house, raised in Scotland until he was 19, a hardy man, a stubborn bullheaded man, but a man I loved, a man who taught me how to fish, and we had wonderful times together. But when I would go there, really from the time I was about eight to about the time I was 15, I would be stuck on a couch while he'd be lecturing me for like literally one and a half to two hours, telling me the world is going to hell in a handbasket and all these things are terrible. I mean, just an hour and a half, like every visit, I just had to take my medicine. Just had to sit there and hear him dump, oh, the world's terrible. And what I'm realizing as I turn 61 is I'm becoming my granddad. <laughs> I really am. Man, whoo. Honestly, there is, there's so much good to celebrate in our world. I mean, it's easy to just cuss everything, right? But name some things that are awesome about the world. What's awesome? Beautiful. It's beautiful, right? Like, look at what God has made. Amazing. Look at, if you look at that mountain over there, you just think of all those leaves. How did God make all those leaves and little bugs and birds and deer and bear and creeks and all the beauty that we see? There's so many beautiful things. What are we seeing from sea to shining sea, from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam? Yeah, there's some beautiful things. How about the birth of children? Have you seen that? How about a new puppy? How about crawling up in grandma and granddad's lap and just having that awesome time? The world has so many things, great foods. I mean, just on and on. You've seen love. You guys have loved. There are many good things to celebrate. But could we also admit that there's a lot of darkness? You know, I was going to try to be an even Stephen as I looked up the darkness and I said, well, let me start by using all the news outlets, not just one. I won't tell you which one I'd normally go to, but I said, you know, let's start with CNN. And so I went there and I read a bunch of headlines. And then I went to uh, Fox News and then I went to Roanoke.com and I just kept going, going, going. Just, I want to see what you're telling me. And friends, what I had a heavy dose of is exactly what you see every day. And it was pretty depressing, right? Pretty depressing. And I know pastors love to throw depressing stats out, but let me just, I'm trying to give you a quick feel for the darkness that is here. While everything looks beautiful in our little town and all the kids are above average. <laughs> These are the things that are also going on. Tender little ears. I'm going to try to say it in a way you don't hear it. Sexual abuse of peds. One in four girls and at least one in six boys, probably more. One in four girls, one in six. If we have 250 kids in our church, do the math. One in four girls, at least one in six boys. 
Human, uh, child physical abuse, 11% physically abused. And as a paramedic, some of you doctors and nurses, you've seen it. It's unthinkable. It's unheard of. And it goes on every day, even in our city. Uh, human trafficking. You know, John Cotton Richmond, who is from our church, is the first U.S. ambassador for the United States for human trafficking. And it's a big problem. We know Straight Street, Street Ransom is doing stuff to help with that as well. But here are, the, here are the stats, and when you hear them, it's like, you know, there's 10 million grains of sand on the, or 10 billion grains of sand on the beach. It's like, whatever, I can't even understand that. 40 million people are in slavery today. 40 million, in the U, not just in the U.S., but in the world, 40 million. So let me just tell you what that looks like. That's 110,747s filled with people. 110,000. Or any Virginia Tech fans here? Yeah, their stadium's like 65,000, so I did the math. So that would be like if you had 616 lane stadiums filled to the brim with people, and they're all slaves. We talk about slavery in the past, and it was wicked and evil, but do you realize there have never been more slaves ever? There's 40 million, 1,616 lane stadiums. How about the murder of Christians? You want to know is the world a dark place? And granted, I, I understand sometimes Christians murder Christians, like in the Congo, Christians murder Christians. Um, but what I found out is 8,000 believers are martyred because of their Christian faith every year. 8,000 believers, that's 22 people killed a day. Boom, dead. It's a dark place. If you don't believe it, talk to Archbishop Benjamin Kwashi, who preached from our pulpit right here. He's, he's right in that middle to northern part of Nigeria, where the Christians are being persecuted, they're being raped and beaten, their houses are being burned down, their cattle are being killed. In one of his 10 or 11 dioceses, 56 churches were burned down to the ground. His own house has been burned to the ground. His cattle have been killed. His wife was assaulted. I'll just leave it at that language. What else? The darkness in our world. Well, obviously racism, right? And who can count that? Very few people before the Lord Jesus would escape uh, and say, I don't have a racist bone or cell in my body. Murders a day. One of the things that helped bring me to Christ is seeing the darkness as a paramedic. And, and the numbers are big. It's 17,000 people are murdered per year, over 46 every day. 46 people murdered every day in the U.S. It's a dark place. Pornography. Whoa. Whoa. 40 million Americans regularly view, regularly view porn. I don't know what irregular viewers are, but one in five people regularly are bringing into their soul dark things that eat at their soul like acid, and it affects every relationship. People enslaved to meth and coke and booze and other, some drugs, I don't even know what they are, 20 million people. Do you, do you realize the cost, just even in our workplace, not to mention our homes? It, it's a dark, severe mental health issues abortions. So if I tell you 24 million abortions a year, that number's so big you can't grab it. But what if I told you there's 125,000 brephos, babies, people that God foreknew before the foundation of the world, 125,000 killed every single day. Friends, that's dark. If you haven't read the story of Dr. Gosnell, the abortionist, go Google it and read it. It is a dark, dark thing. You want to hear from somebody who was in the industry? Go read Carol Everett's book. She was, a, there are actually two books, but she was an abortion clinic owner for abortion clinics. She was in there. She did them, and she came out to see what an insanity. Same thing as Bernard Nathanson, the head of NARAL, said. This, this is an eclipse of reason. 
This hurts women. And Bernard Nathanson actually stopped doing abortions. He'd done 60,000. It's a dark, dark place. Go read about Gosnell. It's the darkest thing you'll ever read. Let's keep going, and then we want to get to our scripture. It says, adultery. One in five adults commit adultery in their lifetime. One in five, that's 20%. And the church really is not much better. And strangely enough, I read this fact. I could not believe it. You can check me out. Fact check me. It said the number one age for men having affairs, what would you think? 70. And I don't want to, like, say too much because I'm 60-something, I'm but I just want to go gross, just gross, and stop it, stop it. 70 years old, just stop it. Y'all need to stop it. Okay, a couple more. Pastors, Brian, you, you could say this. Because we haven't, we haven't raised our kids with a holy uh, sexual ethic to really believe and trust that God's ways are the good ways and God's not cheating his people, 96% of Americans have sex before marriage. I sat in a clergy meeting in my former denomination with seven, eight priests and a bishop. And one of the priests said, I encourage my couples to have premarital sex. And I was at the time a very young priest, and I'm like, knowing that I had done that myself and knowing that that was not the Lord's way. I was in disbelief. And I looked around the table, and they're all ba- shaking their heads. Me too, me too, me too. I'm looking over at the bishop former bishop, not, not ACNA bishop, and I'm waiting for him to say something, nothing. And eventually he was brought up when he came to, 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 to meet with our leaders and somebody raised that question and he, he denied it, he lied about it. But the point is, 96%, do you, can you see what that does to people as they go into to relationships? Not that it's unforgivable, but it's, it's a darkness, it's, it's a pain that, that comes to the heart. Or maybe just a couple more. 39% of the kids, grades 1 through 12, grew up with no dad in the home. 39%, I was one of those kids. And do you know at certain schools, certain schools in Roanoke, you have as many as 80% to 83% of the kids have no father or even father figure in the home. You don't think that has an effect? Why do you think these good kids, these kind kids are getting off in gangs? Because they have no male in their life, no healthy male. I think about the hunger. You know, I sit at my, my table every day and I eat like a hog and I just thank you, Jesus, for this food and God bless the poor. But do you know how many people go to bed hungry? It's a dark place. It's a dark thing to get a bit hungry. Then there's cults and, and militant Islam. There are gangs, 33,000 in the U.S. Do you know just this year, there are going to be 3,300 kids that will undergo sex reassignment. People made in the image of God who've bought into a lie in their identity. That's nine a day. That's dark, friends. That's dark. One of the men that was one of the first to have that operation, he's now in his 70s. He begs people, don't do the surgery. It's a lie. He had it done. He says, don't do it. It's a lie. We could go on and on, but the point is, would you agree from those facts, those are just some, which you read in the newspaper, it's pretty dark in this beautiful world. And so into that context, if you open your Bible, Jesus says it very plainly. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so the punchline this week is Jesus says, I am, I mean, basically saying, I am God, I, God, am saying this, I am the light of the world, right? And, and, and it's looking back to this amazing um, passage in, in, in Isaiah 9, 2. It says, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined, 
And so Jesus is announcing that he is, in fact, the Lord God Almighty, the light of the world, and that people no longer have to stumble around in darkness. Is there darkness around us? Yes. But the darkness is even light to the Lord, Scripture says. There is no darkness in him. And by way of context, as we're going to Jesus saying he's the light of the world, what happened just before we dove into this passage? Look in your Bible. There are little, there are little headers there. What does it say? It says, on the front end, Jesus forgives an adulterous woman. We see this amazing act of grace and mercy. Jesus forgives an adulterous woman, and the religious people were about to stone her to death. And he commands this woman to leave her life of sin. And so we see God's mercy and his grace, him calling out those who would throw stones at others. Right? You see his mercy and kindness and forgiveness, but he tells the woman, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. So there's this call to holiness. And on the back end of, the, uh, uh, of, of this passage, we see Jesus, he teaches that everyone who practices sin, that continues to walk in sin, he says, is in fact a slave, is actually a slave to sin. Do you, do you know that, friends? Do you ever wake up and you go, you know, there, there are a couple areas of my life I can see where God has really given me victory. But honestly, there, there are other places in my life where I'm not going to tell y'all, but, but I'm just, I'm a slave to it. I'm a slave to my anger, to my bitterness, to my self-righteousness, to my pride, to my eating. You fill in the blank for you. I don't know what it is. And so you see on the front end, Jesus' mercy and kindness and his call to holiness. You see on the back end, um, that Jesus says everyone who continues to walk in sin, walk in the darkness, is going to be a slave to sin. And he doesn't want his kids to be slaves to sin. And so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And so, friends, what I want us to understand this morning is there's truth. And one truth is that there's darkness. As beautiful as this world is, there's many awesome things that God made. There's also a lot of darkness. And you know it. You read it. You see it. You feel it. And Jesus announces to those of us who are in darkness that a light has dawned, that he, the Lord God Almighty himself, is that light. But there's a condition. He says, I am the light of the world, comma, what? Look in verse 12b. I am the light of the world, comma, whoever follows me will not be in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so... He's stating a truth. There's darkness. He is God Almighty, the light of the world. But the call is, if you don't want to keep walking in darkness and being overcome by the darkness, there is a condition. And the condition is those who follow him. God is not, an, he's not a vending machine. He's not a vending machine giving out tickets to heaven, Willy Wonka gold tickets to heaven. No. He says, I don't, I don't want to give you a ticket and see you in 50 years I want you to walk with me. I want you to follow me. In other words, what the Lord is saying is, you must understand this about me. I'm a God who's a relational God. And if all you want to do is get a ticket to heaven, that's not what I'm offering here. I'm offering a relationship. Come and follow me. He said the same thing to the apostles, didn't he? Drop your nets. Come and follow me. Drop your nets. It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Isn't that an amazing comfort? Whatever you're struggling with this morning, and some of us are struggling with tough things, the Lord's promise is that he is the Lord God Almighty. He is the light of the world. We no longer are slaves to darkness and to sin. In him, 
in him, he wants to say, I want you to know I've unlocked, I've unlocked a prison gate and it's open and you are free. You have light in Christ to be able to see, to walk in a way pleasing to your father. One of the things that struck me, and you guys on social media, I'm really thinking about going back off it again, except for Sundays when we broadcast. Because it just, it brings out the ugliness in me. And I just want to fight somebody. And then I realize, man, you know, this tongue is an unruly member. So, so are my fingers. They're an unruly member. And no one can tame them. Um, what I would say to you, and especially those online who are having, maybe you're with us this, this morning, if, if it's creating fruit that's bitter in you, cut it off. If you're Hannah Finley, cut it off. If you're Hannah Finley, pluck it out. If Facebook or Instagram is bringing you a point of greater anxiety and depression and meanness and separation of friendship, get off it. Just get off it. Except for Sunday mornings if you want to listen to us. Okay. So Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But the thing I noticed in Instagram and Facebook is we got a lot of problems. Would you agree they're addressing some dark things in our country? We would agree on that. But you know what's almost uniformly missing? What's the solution to the darkness, whether it's racism, whether it's name, name the malady, what's the solution being proffered by most of the Facebook prophets and the Instagram prophets? Government. Government or things we do. Now, again, I'm not saying God wants us to sit in a chair and only pray and do nothing. There is a time to speak, and there's a time to vote, and there's a time to work. But what I've seen strangely missing in social media is it's all human. It's all human-based. It's like the Lord God Almighty, the great I am, the light of the world, is not even consulted. And so we're just trying to, we're just trying to fix it ourselves. Friends, that's religion. I love the way a lot of these friends on Instagram, social media, are like, I'm not religious. No, you are religious. And you're practicing your religion. Your religion is what you do. Human effort, trying to fix things. We don't even look to the most high God who invented all things. Who said, I am the great God. I am the light of the world. John 3 says this, the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. So why don't, why don't people go to Christ? That's the question, isn't it? I missed the question. Why don't, why don't we go to Christ? Why don't we look to him in, in dealing with racial division? Why don't we look to Jesus rather than movements? Why are we not looking to Christ and his ways? His words have plenty to say about how we can love those, even those that we find our enemies, how we're to love our enemies. The Lord's word is good, it's effective, it's wholesome. But so many don't look there. They've rejected them. The fount of living water, and they're just trying to hew cisterns, broken cisterns that can never hold water. And so Jesus wants us to know the light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. That's why people don't go to Christ. That's why people try to do it themselves. Because they're afraid that if they step into the light, if they step into the presence of the Lord, if they enter into the arena of his kingdom, they'll be exposed. Now we go on in verse 13 through 18, and we'll do this real quick because we've got three minutes left. But basically the Pharisees, and we can just sum it up, it says the Pharisees said, Jesus, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony's not true. Um, you've got to have, you know, two witnesses, blah, 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 blah. And, and Jesus just says, stop. He goes, 
Did you miss the I am part? Did you miss that part? Do you, do you know who you're talking to? You're trying to tell me I need another witness. I got another witness. It's my father in heaven. You want a witness? There's no better witness than that. Everything you hear from my mouth has come from the father and he has confirmed it. And Jesus, see, what he's trying to do is like he's trying to reorient these religious people. And they're trying to say, hey, we don't know. Like, you say you're the light of the world. You're a liar. It's not true. Whatever, whatever. And Jesus says, stop. The reason you're saying that is because you don't know who you're talking to. And furthermore, the God that you claim to serve so religiously and so piously, you don't even know him. You people are walking in darkness. You don't know your scriptures. And furthermore, your father is the devil. That's what Jesus said. How about that for a cuddly Jesus? But it was important. He had to speak truth to them. He says, you judge according to the flesh. Jesus says, I judge no one, but even if I do, my judgment is true. For it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father. And so he challenges the Pharisees, you're using the wrong standards when you're judging. You're using human standards, just like 1 Samuel 16, 7, you know, when they're trying to get a successor to King Saul. Do you remember the story? And so the prophet comes and he, he goes to um, Jesse, to David's father, right? And he brings the boys out. Of course, he brings the oldest one and the tallest one first. And Samuel, the prophet, looks at him and he goes, nope, God has not chosen him. Is there another son? Oh, yeah, it's a conveyor belt of sons. He looks at him in the spirit. God has not chosen that one. He gets to the end of, was it, maybe six sons. And he goes, no, none of these. But I know the Lord sent me here. Do you not have another son? Well, we do have a little young one out in the field. His name's David, a little boy. He says, bring him here. And then when Samuel saw David, this young boy, ruddy in appearance, a little boy just barely into puberty, he says, the anointing of God is on this man. The anointing. Oh, what a beautiful thing to see God pick, not according to human standards, but First Samuel says he judges not by external appearances, but inwardly at the heart. That's what God can see, inwardly at the heart. And Jesus here is taking the gloves off, and he's saying, you people don't even know the God you claim to serve. You think, you're bragging, saying, Abraham is our father. He goes, I tell you, your father's the devil. Because if you knew the father, you'd know me, and if you knew me, you'd know the father. And you're missing the God who stands in front of you, the, the hope, the only hope you have, the light of the world, you're missing. Because you're blinded by your religion and by your standards that have nothing to do with the kingdom. And so, friends, I want to ask you this. In the close verse, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. We have no question here in these scriptures that there's darkness, right? And you could probably think of things a lot darker than I could mention from the pulpit. You could also affirm with me that Jesus is the great I am, the light of the world. And that's all grand. But the question is not left of, do you have the right information? You know, literally, I can buy books that have the right information about God. But you know what these books are not? They're not children of God. They just have information in them. God doesn't say here, fill your head with lots of information, and then you and I'll be great. He has a condition. The condition is, in the midst of the darkness we are in, whether it's darkness outside us or even inside our own hearts, in the midst of that darkness, he says, I, the Lord God Almighty, 
am the light of the world for you. But the only way you get to experience life is you have to follow me. And so my challenge this morning is what would it look like for you? Apply it to yourself, no one else. What would it look like for you to follow Christ day by day? What would that look like? One thing I'll tell you, it's going to look like freedom, not bondage. Because it's going to be with the great I am, the light of the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.